0: Ready
1: graphics. Ready theme. Cue One. Good evening. More your information tonight. Hi, I'm Jesse Mullins, and I'm Lauren Milberger, and this is FYI, the Murphy Brown podcast. He is walking charisma. Like rewatching this episode, he's so amused by her. I'm getting the butterflies. It is like one of my favorite television kisses. I hate the fact that I'm won over so much by this man.
0: It's a good part. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about season two, episode twenty, "Heart of Gold."
1: everyone the day you have all been waiting for has come Lauren is now going to try to defend oh is that what this is oh I don't know if I can Lauren, do that though Lauren is going to try and pretend like she hasn't been living this entire show in <laughs> hindsight and is going to make a case that he is lovable from the beginning <laughs> oh that's not I, and by him we mean Jerry I'm Go. Not Sure, I could make that claim Jesse
0: Yes, and uh, it's not just me because this is our most requested episode on Twitter.
1: Of course it is. It's iconic.
0: This episode is directed by Barnett Kelman, written by Mr. Wacky Man himself, Russ Woody. This is a February sweeps episode and it aired February 26, 1990.
1: Talk about a great sweeps episode the original like sweeps conversation character to sweeps week.
0: This episode is all based on the fact that they loved working with Jay and they felt that he had really great chemistry with Candace. This was not anything that anyone thought of and it's such a great example of how things can change just by the actor that you cast.
1: Truly, he is walking charisma, like rewatching this episode as an actor, am agog at what he's able to pull off out of sheer charisma but it's yeah so few people could pull this role off like you the entire reason this role got written this way after our first introduction to him is because this man could do it and do it in a way that made you like him somehow
0: exactly because on paper not even he's awful he's awful
1: he's awful
0: he's absolutely awful
1: it just makes me I mean I I know we're gonna get the episode but I'm watching it I'm like wow yeah this informs a lot of terrible relationships I decided to get into because I saw the like relationships like this work out well on mm-hmm. TV because they were the exception to the rule oh,
0: this is a good this is a good topic I like this keep going sorry yeah
1: because because that's the thing is you know Jerry actually is a great guy but young ladies young people and not even ladies young people of the world regardless of gender if you have this dynamic at the outset with someone do not assume it's going to turn into a Jerry Gold Mm -hmm. Please don't assume that. This is the exception. That's why it's on TV. It is not the rule.
0: (laughs) Han Solo.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. We love a scoundrel.
0: The Music Man.
1: Oh, well, that's problematic on so many levels.
0: These are the male characters that I was brought up on. Yep. Being romanticized. I want to write an essay called How Han Solo Ruined Me for All Men. And not Mm -hmm. in a good way.
1: Not in a good way. No, I genuinely, I spent years of my adolescence thinking that bickering with a, with an equal intellect mm-hmm. was was the hottest thing ever. And then I grew up into real life where I was like, oh, no, no, this is bad.
0: CJ and Danny on the West yep. Wing.
1: But the reason we love this relationship is because this relationship is the exception to the rule. Yes. When we talk about the chemistry, we talk about the looks at the yeah. time. Yeah.
0: See, that's the thing that's really sort of really great about this is that, And we'll get into it, obviously. But the way that Jay plays this and the way that Candace plays it. But let's talk about Jay because he's the character coming in where the Murphy character absolutely cannot stand him as we the audience do and does not see him as anything but that. Jay is playing it as if he kind of has a crush on her already. Mm -hmm. He's hanging around after everyone leaves. He sees her as an equal sparring partner. And whether he realizes that or not, that becomes sexual.
1: Which I have to say, my favorite part... Oh my gosh, we're just jumping into it already. I know, we really are, yeah. Blow by blow. But my favorite part of the way Jay plays this is that the soft underbelly very often doesn't come out of the lines. It comes from the way he responds to certain things. The moment when he decides to just hold the stare... And you see the actual impact of what's being said to him. It's it's beautiful, beautiful work. But before we see that, if we take everything that we've seen so far. So if we're watching this with new eyes and all we've seen is his first episode. Mm-hmm. And up until we see a soft underbelly, it looks like the grown up version of telling a girl that a boy is bullying her at school because he yes, likes her. That's good. Yeah. Which is very gross. And we shouldn't teach children. Oh, no, no, no. But it. It works out because of the way this brilliant actor and then also actor on Candace's part played their ability to see each other. There's a moment that I'll call out a little bit later where you, s- I saw the switch in Murphy mm. where Murphy sees him now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really, really, really cool moment. And that's that's what makes for me. That's what makes us different than a lot of other pairings like that in entertainment.
0: Yeah. And for a show like this, that is only, you know, I guess, 26 minutes back then. I always forget, maybe 27. You're only going to get that kind of depth in between the lines. Mostly Mm -hmm. this is a show that has a lot of jokes per kappa. But this particular episode has a lot of jokes per
1: kappa. Whoa, so many. I was trying to type some of them up and I'd be typing one and I'd be like, okay, and then I'll keep playing. And then the next one was another singer. I was like, I can't... Whew. So many good speeches in this. Let's just get into it. So Think
0: came out in 1968. Um, It is often considered a feminist cousin to Respect. But unlike Respect, Aretha actually co-wrote Think. Just as a reminder, uh, Respect is a cover of an Otis Redding song. She actually wrote it with her then husband, Ted White, which many say reflect the stormy marriage that she had to him. And in fact... The year the song came out, she left him and they divorced. It was on her Aretha Now album. Uh, Now, what's interesting is that, and I know that you're a big
1: fan of the Blues Brothers movie. Well, I was going to say, these are the two songs that she sings in either movie.
0: Yes. But what's interesting is that this is not the version from the Blues Brothers movie, and that is the version that most people probably know, which I didn't realize because I know this one so well. And so they re-recorded the song with a different arrangement for the 1980 film, Mm-hmm. Also interesting, when she did that movie, she had a hard time because she they wanted her to lip sync and not sing live. And she always would mm-hmm. sing the song different each time. So that was a bit of an issue for her. But there was a 12-year difference between that. And then she recorded again in 1989 for her Through the Storm album. This song placed number 15 on the list of 200 greatest songs of the 1960s and is one of the few songs that Aretha wrote, including Daydreaming and Rock Steady, which I didn't know. Um, And as a reminder, I wanted people to remember that Aretha is an Atlantic artist and not a Motown artist. And the song reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming Franklin's seventh top ten hit in the United States.
1: It's amazing. One of my favorite things is that people always assume that she did respect in the first Blues Brothers. uh, But she actually did that in Blues Brothers 2000, and she did think in the first Blues Brothers.
0: I mean, I've seen that scene so many times. I just am embarrassed to say I have not seen the Blues Brothers movie yet. But it's really it was
1: really interesting watching it because I definitely know this recording uh, better than the Blues Brothers movie, just because I grew up on the original recording and then watched that movie. But it would make sense that people would think of that as yeah. the the recording. Yeah, I didn't even
0: realize they were different until I started doing research, and then I listened to them and I was like, oh yeah, they are really different.
1: Yeah, because they have to adapt it for the scene. Exactly, it's like a musical theater.
0: So, um, and more more about Aretha. Let's get into it. So, we're going to start with a montage to think to mostly old clips, but uh, one or two new clips. Uh, We have uh, Jerry from Whose Garbage Is It Anyway? Obviously, the only episode we've ever seen him in being, you know, very uncomfortable with with our our characters, but also an added scene of Jerry being nasty to a waitress. We don't know what he says to her Ugh. at Phil's, but she slaps him, and we have a good idea what he probably said. Yeah. What I do love about this is the sort of like comedic kind of double take that that Jay does when he gets slapped. Almost sort of this sort of vaudeville thing. He kind of reminds me, and no one's gonna get this but me, of a very young George Burns.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: I always thought that Jay would have been a really great George Burns in um, a project
1: one day, but it's a anyway. bit of like a Sky Masterson thing. It's not the kind of mugging
0: that you usually see on Murphy Brown, but it mm-hmm. works with Jerry.
1: Yeah. for some reason.
0: And uh, in between that, we have uh, Murphy throwing darts at Jerry's headshot at the dartboard, and then we're at, we're
1: at Phil's. Oh, we also. I'm so sorry. We do have to jump in with the moment that I still find completely unforgivable in the Jerry character. Yes. The moment that, again, if we were watching this with brand new eyes, I'd have a lot of trouble romanticizing this man who in whose garbage is in anyway, grabs Corky, kisses her and blows his smoke into her mouth so that she can comedically blow it out as he walks away. I, I get the joke. I get the time period. I still find it unforgivable. And I have a lot of trouble with, The assumption that I'm going to fall for this guy and then the fact that they made me fall for this guy. I'm offended and I'm bothered by my willingness to let that go.
0: (laughs) This is the first Jerry Gold episode I ever saw.
1: Hmm. And
0: I think that if I had seen him before this, like watching this now in order, I get how everyone reacts when they find out.
1: Yes, I'm sorry. Like from, Totally get I it. I know that it's a frothy comedy sometimes and that we're not supposed to be getting into like the nitty gritty of it, but real world style, like.
0: Yeah, and Murphy's no. like, if only you saw him through my eyes.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I absolutely get it. Hindsight is always a 20-20. And for then, that was a light yes. version of that joke, which was often a lot cruder yeah. and a lot crueler to those on the receiving end. So like, I'm not here to damn their writing from then. I'm just watching this now. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I really understand why nobody jumps for joy at this.
0: But but I think that, you know, it's hard also for someone who maybe hasn't seen the other episodes. I mean, I, I feel like most people, once they get their hand on the show in some capacity now that they've probably binged it. But that being said, they do really, through Murphy's eyes, Jerry becomes a better person. Yes. We don't necessarily see a lot of that. A lot of it is just based on the jokes he stops making. Mm hmm the attention that he gives to Murphy, Mm -hmm. he's still obviously, you know does some jokes at Corky's expense, but they're not sexual and they're not touching her.
1: Yeah, which it's so fascinating. I mean, obviously, we are having this conversation in a post Me Too era. Yeah. And this was not written or filmed in in the Me Too era. And there's a lot that we've learned about. And there were a lot of things that were considered perfectly fine to make as far as, uh, you know, physical interaction kind of joke in something like this. And uh, I really do emphasize because I know I can sound very heated about this stuff when I talk about it, but it is just a matter of looking at this in hindsight and being able to watch it like the last thing we saw this guy was that he was disgusting and it is intriguing to see that to your point when he's given the chance to show everyone else that he's not that guy he can't handle it yeah you know like there's this thing about that so I'm so I'm so fascinated by the brilliant risk that the writers took in creating this this character this way not making it so easy for him to grow in our esteem. They made it hard to love him in the same way that I think it's hard for Murphy to love him yeah, because of this, this quality of his personality. And I really appreciate it because I enjoy being torn over a character. Agreed. I would much rather have That's that. That's why he's so one I, of my favorites. I, yeah. Yep. I like the fact that this is frustrating me. Like I truly do. And I just get impassioned about yeah. it, but I really enjoy that they gave him that nuance.
0: Yeah, And from some points of view, Murphy also has horrible Well, she does have horrible qualities, but like if someone didn't know her as a human and her with her friends and how loving she could be from the Mm -hmm. outside, I think a lot of people will might see Murphy the way that people see Jerry. Exactly. Which is why they're I think they're sort of kind of the yin and the yang and why um, I don't agree with Jerry when he says that they're different.
1: But anyway, well, Um, I think he says they're opposites in that way is that they're the same coin. They're just the two different sides. Yeah. It's just semantics. Let's get into it. Yes, let's get into it,
0: because I'll also do the way that Jay plays it. But anyway, and Murphy is telling a pretty raunchy story about a congressman running away without his pants and his secretary looking for her blouse in the Xerox room when Miles comes in. Such a sitcom moment with a nun, played by (laughs) the fantastic... Pat Crawford Brown as Sister Mary Margaret O'Brien, the most nunny name to ever nunned at all. Which, of course, causes Murphy to pretend that she's giving a cooking recipe. And based on the fact that she thinks you should cook something to 750 degrees for five hours also shows the fact that Murphy can't
1: cook. Perhaps she means cook herself. So when we say Pat Crawford Brown, you may not know from that name who we're talking about. But if you saw Pat Crawford Brown, you would know exactly who we're talking about. This legend of a character actress actually just passed away uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, Yeah, she passed almost on her on her 91st birthday. So she was born uh, June 29th, 1929. And she passed away on July 2nd, 2019. So she lived a very full life. I was going through her filmography and I, I just know her from so many things. <laughs> like I know her from The Rocketeer. I know her from Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. I know her from Sister Act. Uh, she's in two episodes of Murder, She Wrote. When you look at a picture of her, you're like, oh, it's that one. She's five foot three. The biggest eyes. The sweetest. Like, she honestly gives me Mary Pat Gleason vibes. Of like, you've... Yet a lot of nuns, a lot of the same type of like the sweet aunt from Midwestern somewhere kind of vibes. Some of her more recent things she had done, I actually remember this that she played Pierce's mom on Community and she was Andy's grandma on Parks and Recreation. Mm hmm. Uh, But yeah, her last credit was actually in Fred the Show. She did two uh, episodes in 2012. But she is also very well known uh, in General Hospital. She did a a short arc as Mrs. Albright. And uh, she did uh, 27 episodes of Desperate Housewives as Ida Greenberg. She was Mrs. Cassini, a four-episode arc on Gilmore Girls. She used to, I mean, honestly, her her homography is out of control. Another one of my favorite things that she did, which is such a callback to my specific childhood, was Coach. Uh, She did about 16 episodes of Coach. What I find interesting for us to remember, because we are not done with Pat Crawford Brown and Murphy Brown. In this episode, she plays Sister Mary Margaret O'Brien, but in two episodes, in 1994 and 1995, she's credited as Mrs. O'Brien. Wait, what? Uh huh. Oh my God. I I need to I I feel like a failure as a Murphy Brown. Fan I didn't right realize now. that because to me she's so iconic in this episode, and I listen exactly. later down
0: the line there are people who come back again, but the mm-hmm. fact that she plays Mrs O'Brien almost feels like that they were like she's the same person, guys. She left the nunnery exactly.
1: I'm like Sister Mary Margaret O'Brien, Mrs O'Brien. That can't. Be, it might just be an Easter egg for fans. <laughs> I mean, O'Brien is, you know, a very easy, you know, Irish name to go with. She looks like it would be her last name. I wonder if they even know they did it. I wonder. So she was in both Sister Act movies as the choir nun. I very, mm-hmm. very much remember her as the tiny, sweet choir nun. And she's also in an episode of Love and War. Yes, she is. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I could just list everything she's ever been yeah, in. She was and we'd a real like, comic Ooh. staple. She was yeah, like an old lady. Quantum Leap, Designing Women. Quantum Leap. She's in
0: a very good episode of Quantum Leap. Yep,
1: I she's I what a loss, but like what a beautiful long life that she lived, and she is the cutest thing you've ever seen.
0: Ah, uh, Sister Mary Margaret was on the show tonight. Miles just wanted to bring her to say goodbye to everyone before she goes back to the convent. She was on the show to talk about her program, Hot Meals at Home, which she where they deliver meals to the elderly. Frank, of course, is extremely nervous as a Catholic. This is a running theme. Nuns make him sweat. He does not like the nuns. Frank cannot handle a nun. They traumatized him. And then, of course, as this is happening, Jerry Gold joins the group. The worst time. Oh, Jerry.
1: Don't look. Don't look. Doesn't want to make eye contact with him. But, of course, my beloved Jim. And then in quotes, the king of trash TV, he really roasts my rump. Sorry, sister. Oh, but he has to
0: apologize for saying roast my rump.
1: I mean, how he is scathing.
0: Yes. And Jerry, of course, is smoking, which is an important thing for the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. Very everything against what Murphy stands for right now. And he makes a beeline right for our gang. Again, Mm -hmm. he is a troll. He enjoys this. Yeah. I think also, I think we've mentioned, you know, they these people represent probably the popular kids who, you know, beat him up on the playground. And he just he gets so much joy out of needling them.
1: There truly are like some key high school archetypes in this particular scene.
0: Well, if it isn't Murphy Brown, her band of crusaders, I saw your white horses parked out front. So I thought I'd mosey on in and say, how do you do? And sister, let me just say you have a television present that puts Sally Field in the toilet. Whoa. Those don't remember Sally Field played a flying nun as one of her first television series. And then I love Murphy. She's like, gee, Jerry, shouldn't you be out saving the oil industry from those pesky environmentalists? Again, they have a really great banter. And then what I always love is that Jerry being the good, I hate to say good troll, it sounds like such an oxymoron, but He knows how to needle everybody. And I always love these parts of the Jerry Gold episode because you always know what he's going to do. He's going to say something about masculinity for Frank. Mm -hmm. He's going to probably mock Jim if he says something wrong because he hates him so much. And he is always going to mock Corky for being, quote unquote, stupid. And he's always going to call her Sherwood as opposed to by her full name, which is demeaning.
1: He calls Murphy Brown. He does. Yes. Until the end. Until the end. Yeah.
0: He goes, how you doing, Sherwood? Ever figure out why people don't get dizzy when the earth rotates? It's really funny, though.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know what? I will take that over touching her. I will take it over. Like, that's the thing about him that I find so compelling is that you know how smart he is because he knows exactly what bugs Mm -hmm. people. He knows exactly what is the petty thing that will get them. And he's doing it on purpose. He is the kid in the lunchroom who wants to tell everyone that he didn't want to sit with them first. Yeah, like he wants to make it so that he already chose not to be around them, not that they're rejecting. Yeah, and
0: him. And you can see that, like, even though he he throws zingers at everyone, he always then focuses on Murphy because he knows that she mm-hmm. can rise to his level, really. I mean, yep. Miles says that he'd asked him to go outside except for a hamper injury, which is <laughs> like, Miles, you, you kind of walked into that one. I yeah. wouldn't want to take advantage of a guy with a hamper injury. <laughs> and now Frank says that he feels that they need to have a flea dip. And then everybody leaves. And then one of my favorite moments, of course, is Sister Mary Margaret does this beautiful speech to Jerry, how he's troubled and he just needs some understanding. To which he responds, I still think you look better in the penguin suits. And she calls him a schmuck. Yeah. Which is great, but also funny because there's a nun speaking Yiddish and I kind of love it. Mm -hmm. Which I think is such a a great thing that Murphy says, which is um, that Jerry has a gift. He could clear cockroaches out of a tenement. Oh, Yep. Every dialogue of banter in this scene is building on the end of the episode, is building on what they have in common. Because Jerry says to her, don't you have some starving wildebeest you've got to save? To which Murphy goes, I don't scare that easily. And then one of my favorite lines of the entire episode is, yeah, I noticed that. You're tough, Brown. Most men would find you what? Trill, pushy, like a Rottweiler with a grudge. Which is like, that's Murphy. Yeah, it is. I love that so much. So Jerry uh, has to leave. He, he has a phone call on a beeper because it's the 90s. And, of course, Murphy knows that's her way to get out of there. But then Phil comes with the menus and wonders where everybody is. Of course, a visit from Jerry Gold. What's great is that uh, Phil bemuses that Jerry has driven away more business in the stuffed cabbage incident of 77. I have the uh, table draft, which I think is really interesting. And just to give people sort of a sense of like how jokes can change from like draft to draft, you know, like everyone in the room will like do a pass and like throw out different jokes. It originally was Luau night, which I'm sure has its own issues with uh, probably refrigeration, I would assume. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Murphy finds out that the only reason that Phil lets Jerry into the place is because he knows that he made a, a big donation to Sister Mary Margaret's Hot Meals at Home program. He gave them 10 grand last year. And Murphy is shocked. She is absolutely shocked. We all were shocked. And that she never knew this about Jerry. And she loves the fact that she has something to lord over him. So she stays. This was a little triggering. Uh, Jerry comes out and says that he has next week's show lined up, The Women of Noriega. He'll be wearing a surgical mask. Uh, Oh, Jerry's ahead of his time with the surgical mask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Murphy just sort of taunts him, which I love is it's so convincing, this obnoxious loudmouth, You do so well. It's all an act. And this is when we first see Jerry's veneer. Like he's been caught. He just like drops it. It's like Mm -hmm. all the stuff that you were talking Mm -hmm. about, right? He looks scared, honestly, that she knows this, that she's gonna blab and it's gonna ruin his reputation. And she's like, I'll never be able to look at you the same way again. And she's still mocking him, but then he says, Look keep your voice down don't tell anyone okay and it's like he's like a tiny child
1: that's the thing is jerry on the inside is a tiny nugget who doesn't want anyone to know it that's why he pushes everyone away
0: exactly he wants everyone to think that he is this strong person and he is just a little tiny like nugget filled
1: with cream and he doesn't need them exactly he doesn't need any of them
0: but he needs them he needs them a lot and that's when Murphy really sees him differently for the first time, I think. And she realizes that he's serious. She's really taken aback when he's, he asks her to not tell anyone. Um, so Murphy agrees to keep his secret, but only if he tells her what his deal is. You know, well, does he actually have respect for anything? And I love this. He goes, respect? No. Let's just say I think their organization is in a bureaucratic belly flop like every other half-baked cause out to save humanity. It feels like Murphy's interviewing him pretty much. He's like, so what do you respect, Jerry? Mm-hmm. What do I respect? Nothing. No, wait. I respect dissent. And the thing is, I kind of
1: agree with him with this. I do, too. I really do.
0: I really do. He has a really good point, which is dissent is something that it makes the good things better and the bad things crumble. There's plenty of you Dudley do-rights out there gunning for the bad guy. That's easy. But who keeps the good guys in check?
1: And I may not agree with his methods, but he has such a point. That's literally the point I wrote down. Who keeps the good guys in check? Hey, your noble deed is going south. And then the things he lists as far as like Vietnam and what are the other ones he lists?
0: The French Revolution. Yep, French Revolution. And then the third one is the joke, which is Roots, the next generation. Yes, there was a sequel to Roots.
1: Oh God. Yeah, oh God. What a time to be alive. But the thing I appreciate about that is like, this is, this is why none of us believe him at the end of the episode exactly, when he says yeah. they're opposites. It's why I, I find... The Jake and Jerry thing is so fascinating because they both are actually at the heart of it going for the same things. They just have completely different approaches. Absolutely. She's attracted to the exact same heart. Agreed. And it's because
0: it's something that she's looking for as well. Like, I love the fact that he goes, he loves catching some pseudo humanitarian with his shorts down. And you, Brown, you love it just as much as I do. And she's mm-hmm. horrified because she literally says, this is horrifying, Gold. We have something in common. What's great is it, it's also Murphy's journalistic instinct that, that is making her curious and, mm-hmm. and really sort of, I think, blowing her mind. Because I think she feels, well, I'm a journalist. I can tell a ball from the moment I, I sit down for the interview. I know people. I'm not a, a sappy person who falls for, for lies, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, Jerry goes, why so interested? Like he's like, well, why, why do you care, huh?
1: I one thing I want to posit this thing about Murphy being like, I can, I can sense a sleaze ball the moment they sit down. I am curious about if the thing that really perplexes her is that she is so used to unmasking monsters, mm, yeah, that she's never looking for is this person I dislike potentially good? Like she's not, she's not in the business of finding secretly good people. She's in yeah. the business of finding secret monsters.
0: Exactly. But I feel like it's like if she misjudged him, who else has she mm-hmm. misjudged? It's, it's, it, I think it also puts against her ego and the fact that she feels like she's the smartest one in the room. Oh yeah. Yeah, now he is. He's a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And she, she, likes, she likes mysteries. He's a mystery. He's like, he's like a story to her.
1: And this is why I don't think she sees him yet.
0: Oh, because oh. he's a
1: puzzle to unwrap.
0: Gotcha. Ooh, she I'm sees to... the
1: thread that she wants to pull at.
0: So this is more like, okay, I'm interested. She sees a story. Oh yeah, that's a really good point. Well, I'm excited to see what you think that moment. Also, is.
1: if I was her, I'd be like, this is a trick. You know, like I would yeah. be. Conti- I mean, continue with the recap. But yes, they they kind of get to the point where
0: it gets so awkward that they like just have to like get up and leave and make excuses. Um, But then Jerry, because again, I feel like he's playing the whole thing like he already has a crush on her. He feels that. And whether it's actually there yet, you know, (laughs) or she's not realizing it, and he goes for it and he asks her very awkwardly if maybe she'd like to finish the discussion over some food,
1: (laughs) over some food. And then they pretty much dare
0: each other like cowards to go on a date with each other. He's kind of a step ahead of her also because like he kind of knows it's going to work I think in a way, but also it's just mm-hmm. the two of them being extremely awkward about it, because if he gives away that he is interested in her, it makes him vulnerable.
1: You know what it makes me think of on like a personal experience level? Mm-hmm. I had a very long term on and off relationship with uh, with a gentleman, and he is very commitment averse, is how I would put it. Mm-hmm. Nothing but love for this person, honestly. They're a very good person. Uh but I remember would always use these phrases like, do you want to just go take a nap for like eight hours? Instead of like, do you want to stay over tonight or something like that? Like there was always these like playful ways of saying the thing without saying the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like, do you want to go? Do you want to maybe just get food together? But like later, as we're about to talk about, can't say date. And this uh, this way, this like intellectuals way of avoiding saying the uh, the icky word the icky word.
0: And so now they have a date and Murphy is horrified. Oh, I forgot to mention too is that, that Murphy says no because she says that if if anyone sees her with Jerry Gold, it'll ruin her reputation and that's where he gets her. He's like, oh, I didn't think that you were such a slave to public opinion. Fine, fine, fine. And it's like, what the what did I do?
1: <laughs> he goaded her into going on a date. Oh God, I love it. And then we go the Battle of wit. To the date. So we open on La Rosa's.
0: Can I just tell you how La Rosa's is described? I think you will appreciate this. Oh, please do, because I want to know if it's close to how I okay, wrote yeah, it. yeah. Okay, so this is the way it's described in the script. A small Italian restaurant. Some might say it's a dingy hole in the wall. A reflection, perhaps, of gold soul.
1: And this is what I wrote. <laughs> Murphy is already waiting at a booth. This is one of those Italian hole-in-the-wall restaurants (gasps) with the cliche checkered tablecloths and the chairs with that very specific swirled metal back. I wrote
0: the most 80s TV Italian restaurant in the history of television TV Italian restaurants. It's probably a Rite Aid now.
1: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I was like, this sends me back to any small town pizza pasta joint growing up. Like, they all (laughs) had that same chair. Yeah. That same chair with the metal back, and it's like the, like, swoop around, and then the two little swoops on the inside, and like and that tablecloth that is also folded up underneath the table and stapled to the table. Is that
0: a Bentwood chair? was that, that the design, I think, with the little curvy things? Is that Bentwood? I have one of those chairs, that's why. It's a, it's a fake one, but it's from the 60s and it was my mother's chair and it means a lot to me. It's my Fossy chair.
1: Oh, so similar to a Bentwood chair, but instead of the single swoop on the inside, it's like two curly cues that come up and meet. The inner loop that you're thinking of oh, yeah, my- becomes two little swirls in.
0: I was just checking, mine doesn't have the
1: loops. I'm sitting on it right now. <laughs> like I literally went back, I I immediately saw my hometown pizza place.
0: Like Alex P. Keaton is gonna walk through the door any moment.
1: You get an idea that this is not a, this is not a fancy four-star Italian restaurant that we're meeting yeah. at. As Jerry says, honestly, they wash the floors. <laughs> yep, honestly, this is the type of place where I just lived in in college. So she's sitting there. She's clearly been waiting for a minute but because you can always read Candace's body language, which mm-hmm. is one of her great skills. Uh-huh. And Jerry arrives and he does that momentary slowing of his gait as he's walking in and sees her until she sees him and then he picks it up, which I oh, I didn't love. I can't love. believe I didn't notice that. I've seen this episode like hundreds of times.
0: Oh, it's the perfect so moment good. of like
1: I just love behavior so much.
0: And uh, he well he behavior is something he's so good at. Yeah.
1: He's so good. And that's the thing. It seems so natural that you almost don't pick it up because it's so natural. Um, he's holding a briefcase and his his coat collar is popped, which I love. I know. I do love that a lot. It works for me. I do it to my husband every now and then. He's like, no.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Jerry's an asshole, but Jerry's cool.
1: Uh, Jerry's cool as hell. And we love a good coat. And then they have a very awkward. Hi. Hi. And he just kind of stands at the table. And then he says, Sorry that he's late. And she said, No problem. Gave me a chance to soak up the ambiance. <laughs> and Jerry looks and he's like, Oh, well, yeah, I see they've washed the floor. It must be someone's birthday. And then he hands her the briefcase, which I was like, Nice. I forgot about this. I honestly had forgotten about this. My favorite quirk
0: of him. Oh,
1: I love it. It's so great. He gives her a briefcase, she's clearly suspicious. And she opens it, and there's a roadside emergency kit inside. So hilarious. I love the number of times that Murphy unexpectedly laughs in this scene. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very, yeah. She she She's tickled by him. Because it's like a true giggle.
0: It's something that I think is a lovely through line throughout his entire arc on the show, is they yeah. they got used to cutting to Candace. She'd have no lines, but just the way that she would look at Jay. Mm-hmm. This guy's great. Or maybe she was holding a the laugh. That's the relationship. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, but like that is the relationship. Mm-hmm. That is why we love them. Yeah. I think so many times about character relationships that I love in film and television, and or even in books, and how often I will jump to the parts that are a, just watching them interact, mm. and is not notable scenes. Like I just love watching the handhold, watching the eye contact, watching someone look away. Anyway. Yeah. So he says, any yuckle can bring flowers on a first, and then he lets out this sigh. And looks at her. And in the pause, she just says, Jerry, this is not a date. And Jerry says he knows. He just can't figure out what the hell it is. And they suggest that maybe they should just keep talking and find out. Yeah. Which I live for a mature first date that is not, like, I love the calling out of this is weird. Yeah. I just love people who are willing to say the thing. And so he says, question, did you think about not showing up? And what I love, it turns into, like, the two Interviewer personalities off and on.
0: Yeah, these are two talk show hosts on a date. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: It's like, question: Did you ever think about not showing up? And she says yes.
0: And I love that Jay takes the the breadstick and starts like fing- fingering it. Oh my god, Lauren, <laughs> um, I love, I love. That- um i love that jay takes the breadstick and like just starts like using it in his hand as if it is a cigar
1: yes it's so great it's so great it's very groucho what i like about it it actually reminds me of people who quit smoking and then just start mm. as as like a nod or a yeah, hint yeah. of the people who start using like pens or carrot sticks or other things as the the physical manifestation
0: that is a really good point because he knows he can't smoke in front of her he's be this is the uh-huh. it's its first act of being respectful to her Uh because he doesn't smoke until they break up, quote unquote, and then Well, we'll say that to the end, but that's a really good point.
1: And it's a nervous habit. It's a
0: nervous habit. Yeah.
1: And she says, yes, she did think about not showing up and she had about 20 excuses. And one of my favorite quotes of this episode being starting with I have to work and ending with I was mauled by a honey bear.
0: And that section gets cut from syndication, which sucks. Which is such a loss. It's so good. I remember when I um, because I only obviously saw this episode once before I saw it again in syndication because I wasn't recording them then. And you can it's cut so badly. You can hear the laugh. And I always knew that something was there.
1: Because it's a good line. So we asked, why did she? She goes, <laughs> this is again, we're in like interview mode. She goes, yeah. tough one. And she says she guessed she wanted to know if it was really true, that beneath all the subterfuge, there is a decent guy. Mm. And then he pauses and says, you're not wearing panties, are you? <laughs> And then they both grin the same do, thing. She- and what I love is that she, this is my moment. She keeps eye contact through the grin. She does, yes. And you can see that she now sees his gl- his game so clearly. Like now it's not the like frustrated or, oh, you always do stuff yeah. like that. Like She smiles and keeps the full eye contact on him because she knows what he's doing now. And not just that, oh, you're trying to upset me, which everyone knows he says that's tough to upset yeah. them. She knows he's doing it to deflect.
0: Yeah, and, he, and it, he knows it's funny, and it's the first time that she actually compliments him on it. She She's trying uh-huh. not to smile when she says it, but she's like, low on originality, but I'll give you points for timing.
1: Well, and what I like is then his response to that is, that's what I like about you, Brown. You can take a hit and then put it right back over the net. And that's the thing is, like, before she just would play ball with him, but yeah. now she understands what game he's playing yeah.
0: to the point. And then he opens himself up a little bit. Because he uh-huh. sees that it's it's okay now.
1: Mm-hmm. And he says now he's going to go out on a limb. Yeah. And all the time he's known her, he's always found her very attractive. And then qualifies it with, in a Nordic Gentile sort of way. Which
0: is another one of my favorite lines from this episode.
1: <laughs> it's so good. Now, um, I feel like I have
0: to say because someone on Twitter asked me what Nordic Gentile was. <laughs>
1: Oh, fair.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, exactly. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. So so Nordic, because uh, Candace is a Nordic or a, a, Nor- a Norwegian, Swedish, that kind of thing, right? That would be the definition of- Tall, blonde, Aryan looking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gentile means non-Jew. Yes. So if you looked up Nordic Gentile in the dictionary, there would be a picture of Candice Bergen. Yes. Yes.
1: And what I like is her she does this like smirk grimace. Yeah. She loves and it. looks to the side. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's so good. Cause you see the first the inklings of her being flirtatiously flattered. Yeah. By him. He asks her, Are you surprised? And she says, Yeah. And as long as they're confessing, she once had a dream about him. Oh, does Jerry perk up? Yeah. He likes oh, that Oh, Does a Jerry lot. perk up? <laughs> she goes, You were she smirks. Never mind. And what I love is the way Jay just goes, oh, come on. Yeah, that's a good part. And she says, let's just say it had something to do with Amtrak. Which I didn't get as a kid. And I love that joke, yeah. too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely <laughs> didn't get the train dreams. Oh, yeah. and I love this next section, too. It's great. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love this section so much more than I used to understand it. He then says another one of my <laughs> favorite lines, which is, you know, normally after a train dream, I light a cigarette, but I know you hate that, so maybe we should just order. A couple of veal chops. He shouts out to Nick, the proprietor, Nick a couple of veal chops. I love that we still see the canis being like, nobody orders for me, yeah. but also she's intrigued, so she's like, you know, as long as you're deciding what I'm or- ordering, I don't eat veal. And he does this line. <laughs> oh, that's right. Mr. Farmer's mean to the little cows, and you and Bob Barker are all upset about it. Also, y'all, did you know that Bob Barker's been a vegetarian slash vegan for over 40 years? I didn't know that, but that makes sense. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I I realized that I am actually probably, I am probably the last of people who grew up with Bob Barker on Price is Right as like a national figure. That's a good point, yeah. I'm of the last generation who like, like I remember being a kid and Happy Gilmore coming out and be like, oh my God, Bob Barker's beating up Happy Gilmore. Like we knew who Bob Barker was. Like, yeah. You stayed home when you were sick to Bob Barker. And so, like, I grew up knowing that he was the, like, spay and neuter your pets person. So I knew he was an animal advocate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize he was vegetarian that long. But, of course, with this joke, that makes absolute sense. It was like, he's been that for over 40 years.
0: Which makes the next revelation even more
1: interesting. Mm Hmm. I felt myself in Murphy in this moment. Which she just kind of leans and she's like, how would you like to be locked in a box from the day you're born to the day you're slaughtered? And, like, it's just launching into to defend. Not eating veal, which also that is the reason I do not eat veal. And he interrupts her with this, what I love. He's like, brown, 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 relax. Nick doesn't even serve veal. It was a joke. And he goes, now I myself am a vegetarian, but you go right ahead and eat the flesh off of any little animals you want. And he opens a menu and smirks. It's the best. He's looking at the damn menu. I literally want to steal this scene for myself to play Jerry. It's so Oh,
0: yeah, I would be Jerry. You you want to be Jerry in this scene. It's so
1: good. Yeah. The power dynamics in this scene are like, Russ, I already love you as a writer. Writer's room, I already love you for the work that you do in that writer's room. But the this scene is expertly written, it's so well expertly written. acted. Like it is, it makes me love Jerry. I come into this episode being like that pays a crap. Mm -hmm. this scene, I'm immediately won over. Like, I hate the fact that I am won over so much by this man.
0: But then the next moment when she's like, is it going to take more than this dinner for me to get a handle on you? And he looks up from the menu and goes, maybe. And he goes,
1: maybe. And they just, they just, but what I love is the way he says it, he doesn't say it in a fully flirtatious way. So when she asks, is it going to take longer than this dinner to get a handle on you? And he looks up and he says, maybe. There is a whole bunch of honesty in that. Yeah. Like, there's a vulnerability, there's a flirtation, there's a sadness in the way he says that, and then they just hold eye contact. And what I love about Jerry is you can see in the way that he plays him, the longer you sit in eye contact, the more confident he gets. Mm -hmm. So he has this certain shyness at the beginning of an eye contact, and then he just revels. It's like the troll in him is just like... Yeah. I'm not going to look away.
0: And this would be usually when I would say, and that's why Jay won the Emmy. But of course, as we've learned throughout the series, Jay did not win the Emmy for this episode. He's been lying about it
1: for the whole duration of the end of his life. It is. uh, It's (laughs) honestly, it's such a loss, though. But Uh,
0: yes, um, but he deserved it. And
1: then, yes, absolutely. So they hold this eye contact and then she snaps her her glance down to her menu and she goes, well. Uh, The angel hair pasta looks good. I wonder if they use ricotta in their manicotti. And while she's doing this and getting very, very awkward, he just puts his menu down and leans forward with his hands together and eventually just...
0: He's so amused by her.
1: And he's looking at her with his chin in his hands. Yeah, sweet. And finally, what I love is that you can only hold the pretense for so long. And she goes, what are we doing here? This is insane look at us, a restaurant chatting, a roadside emergency kit. And then she starts giggling. She's like, I love that. I and then let's like giggle, giggle, giggle. This is getting, this is really getting scary. Yeah, I love her this like inability to not giggle and say how much she loves the roadside kit. <laughs> it's another
0: one of my favorite moments that she loves mm-hmm. it. And it's and it, and so quick too. She like, there's no
1: pauses between it. So she's like, this is really no. scary. She does,
0: she cannot find this attractive.
1: And she's so openly vulnerable in the way she says this is really scary to him. Like she's looking to him to be like, validate me this is scary and he asked what they should do and she says i don't know how should i know and she finally says well we can say that we know each other a little better now finish our dinner and go on about our lives that's one choice and jerry i'm already getting like flutters about this like i'm like i'm getting the butterflies and he (sighs) says that's good that makes the most sense or we could do this and jerry in a way that I would never be able to pull off, like I would knock the table over somehow or something like that, somehow stands up and reaches across the table and plants the biggest smooch But he also, ever he puts his he hand behind the her, her head. gets the back of her head in like the perfect like so sexy. cradling, the, the nape of the neck kind of thing. Oh. And the, it's, a, it's a good, they are smooching, y'all. They are smooching. It is like one
0: of my favorite television kisses. It's really good.
1: It's so good. And he pulls back and he asks, what do you think? And she goes, good one. And then there's some more smooching. What I love is that in the script, it says, this time
0: Murphy kisses him.
1: And she does. She does. And
0: I think that's what makes it also so great is that
1: he goes for it because he's getting all the signals. What I love about it is that the way he does it, there is no game to it. Like he pulls it off and it's very impressive the way he's able to do it, but it's not from this slick place. It's from a place of being so moved by this person and needing to connect with them that when he pulls away, it is vulnerable. I
0: was going to say he
1: genuinely wants to know what if she's into it. He's.
0: Yeah, he took a really big chance. Yeah. And then he's vulnerable waiting for the consequences. And it's all in Jay's face. There's no mm-hmm. cockiness about that afterwards. He's just no. like, and
1: that's what I. What love. do you think? You, it's yeah, and you're just like, oh. He gives her full opportunity to be like, nope, never gonna happen again.
0: Yeah, and it's like, all right, um, yeah, let's let's yep. yeah let's go. And I
1: believe he would have just brushed it off and walked away.
0: Yeah, no, I think he would. Um,
1: so yeah, so we cut to Murphy's office. Now, you would think it's the next day. We'll find out it's not. Fun fact: Murphy's office. The dartboard is ramp closed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Which, man, that sounds dirty I, I had to me. many. Yep, I had many thoughts about that. Yes, ramp closed. Um, oh, wow. The ramp is very closed. Uh, so Murphy enters her office and she finds at her desk a stuffed whale plushie. I love this so much. Uh, with a tugboat with a gift bow on her desk. I really
0: wish that, like, I understand that the, the trend that they went with, with Jerry was that he would do things to make her laugh. And I see feel like mm-hmm. that does fit into it. But I always wish that they had kept the odd gift thing. Yes, I love it so much. I get much. that the penguin is like, and again, it, it still works with character. He does things to make her laugh. I would have loved mm-hmm. it in every episode if he gave her something weird.
1: Yeah. So she picks it up, smirks, and goes to the phone. And the way she says, hi, it's me, you know exactly who she's talking to.
0: Yeah, can we talk about this for a second? Sure. So it's been a week,
1: right? She's well, been spending four nights in a row.
0: Four nights in a row. Did
1: they just fuck last night? Well, so she said, I got your gift. A whale with a little green piece boat. Yes, I see the hypocrite in the boat is wearing leather shoes, which is one of my favorite things to rail on is yeah. hypocrites. Anyway, and then you hear her responding that he clearly wants her to come out again that night, four nights in a row. And she says she's falling behind on work. Remember how it went when she tried to work at his place last night? And she does her little he <laughs> yeah. he. Yeah. No, they they totally be banging. Yeah. yeah, last I mean, night she was supposed to work and she worked on something. I, it, I mean, it's obvious that they're
0: banging because in the next episode she says the sex was really good. But I, I yeah. always think that this makes me think like they just banged for the first time last night. But I could be wrong. I, they, I also. Oh believe... no, I think
1: they jumped right in. Well, that's the thing
0: <laughs> is that I also, wait, 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 but I also believe that they left the restaurant after she kissed her back and they just like been banging since then. So I'm not quite yeah, sure. Exactly. I go back between balls.
1: I firmly believe that it, that just, that was the first thing.
0: I mean, she just went right under his spell. Like after thinking he's, mm-hmm. he's a jerk, and was like, I mean,
1: "Let's let's do this." Well, here's my argument. I think it's less. I mean, I think they're both under each other's spell, but I think there's something about this couldn't th- this can't actually be a thing. But at least we can have a fun time. It's lust. It's lust. Like I think yeah. that it's easier for her to compartmentalize it as lust, and just follow that path right away, than consider that it could be something more. Because the something more is complicated.
0: Yeah. I go back and forth between both. For some reason,
1: mm-hmm. I just, it's just, yeah. But yeah, oh, they totally be banging. I'm just, yeah, I'm full, I, sex positive. I think they just jumped right in. And while she's in the middle of her giggle about last night, Frank walks in and she does my favorite, she throws the whale down and behind her and then stands up and says, I mean it, or if I want that footage ready so I can get right into editing and then slams the phone down. Gee, Frank, I'm real glad you walked right in. That knocking business can really wear out a door. Frank says, yeah, yeah, all right. He's all hers. What's going on with you? And Murphy tries to write it off. She says that, you know, nothing, nothing. She's working on a story. And he says, no, that she hasn't been herself. That last night in the parking garage, he saw her skip to her car. <laughs> Which, he's like, no, 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 no. Eventually, Murphy finally says that she isn't ready to talk yet. And I wrote, Frank is miffed. And he's on his way out. He's like, no, no, don't tell your best friend. No, it's like, no, you're it's fine. No problem. And he gets to the door and he just pauses and he turns around with utmost sincerity. He goes, you didn't Kill a man. Did you, Murphy? No. Probably not. Yeah. He's not sure. He's not sure that's not what happened. It's such an earnest delivery. I (laughs) love the choice so much. So before we go into the bullpen.
0: Oh, yeah. So I wanted to mention two things. So something that really sort of rattled me about the table draft is that they cut a secretary, (gasps) which is obviously, you know, hurtful as it is. Wrong. But guess maybe in this current climate what this secretary might be a person that might trigger as well and was kind of really shocking to me.
1: Wait, is she a sex worker?
0: No, 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 oh, sorry. no, no, okay. no, no, sorry. No, the, the secretary is a germaphobe.
1: Oh, no, I can't...
0: Secretary's wearing a mask. The secretary doesn't want to touch anything. The secretary cleans the... It's... I will put on the Instagram... It's my life now. ...the page, <laughs> but I, I was reading it, and I went
1: oh my God, I cannot finish the Secretary. This is so weird that I'm reading this right now. It is so weird. It's all too real for me now. Cut completely
0: from the episode as well. I think they filmed it because it's also in the t- in the uh, the shooting draft we have, which is that Corky tries to guess on what's going on with Murphy before Frank goes in. And she goes, oh, I, no. th- I think she's having man problems. She's got that look of a woman who's met a man and she's torn between love and career and doesn't know what to do. Or it's menopause.
1: <laughs> Damn it, Gorky. So she
0: just thinks that Murphy is in a Daniel Steele novel, and I kind of love it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, you you say what you know. Yes. Anyway. Well, speaking of everybody, Frank makes his way out, shuts the door, rushes back to the gang who's all at the coffee station, and everyone has been waiting to find out. Clearly, they sent him in to find out. Everyone knows that something is off. And he says, no, I can't tell. You know, it's a, it's a best friend, confidential type thing. I couldn't do that to Murphy. And then Gorky goes, she didn't tell him. And stomps away to the, the table. And he's like, no, no, she told me. And Jim just goes, cut it out, you big faker. one of my favorite Jim lines. It's so good. He's just, he's like, oh, come on. They all kind of sadly make their way to the table at the coffee stand. And Frank swears he's going to find out what is going on. By this time tomorrow, he'll have answers. And y'all, we all know what's coming as we make our way to La Rosa's on Water Street.
0: On Water Street. Murphy is in one of my favorite Murphy type outfits. She's wearing the really chunky jewelry that I would never yes. wear, but I love on Murphy that I I feel is quintessential Murphy. So many different, different colored jewels, this sort of olive thing. I love this outfit very, very much on her. Oh, yeah. So Murphy and Jerry are fighting, aka foreplay, yep. over nuclear proliferation. Hot stuff, literally. Like you do. Hot stuff. <laughs> Thank you. It's adorable. And then Nick has to ask them, you know, now what is it? And then Murphy, like a little kid. In fact, I think it's his kid confessing in the in the script. <laughs> he wants it peaceful. It's a very, very loving place and encourages them to, you know, make up and not, not fight. And then Frank comes in dressed like he's coming out of an ABBA video crossed with <laughs> perhaps Washington Square Park in the 70s. I wrote undercover Frank is alarming. It is very alarming. He's got what I would call a Jufro, but of course he's Italian, so I'm not really sure what that
1: would be called. But it's a well, big... Well, it's also a wig, so I don't know what it was big, supposed big to be Big, wig, yes. It.
0: Very born on the 4th of July outfit, I would say, except for the hair. It's, it's truly a hiding
1: in plain sight effort.
0: Yes, uh, not doing very well. Nick is concerned that he doesn't have money based on how he's dressed. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, he notices Murphy and Jerry sitting right away and he runs to a table and hides behind a menu. How he can hear them is only because it's television. <laughs> yes. Yes. They are too far away. Um, so Murphy apologizes to Jerry for calling him a neo-fascist pig. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says it's okay. He knows that she meant it as a compliment. And then there is couple stuff that is adorable. Um, Jerry asks for a taste of her carbonara. And Murphy sweetly says, yes, but it's got a cream sauce and he has to watch his cholesterol. It's
1: like they've been together for 10 years. I mean, they're gross. It's gross. What? <laughs> I think it's adorable that she's concerned about his cholesterol. It's simpering. It's adorable. But it's also like the way they're doing it is is it's blown up. Oh, like okay. It's blown up into like a simpering level. So it's not yeah. like, oh, they're adorable. They're so gross.
0: Like, it's weird to yeah. watch. I mean, something also, you know, when it comes to sitcoms, when people usually date, a week is usually a couple of months. I mean, if you think about it, like in the way that the 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 closeness usually happens in an episode like this, where all of a sudden mm-hmm. the end, like it, it feels like they've been dating longer.
1: I mean, here's, here's what I will say. Okay. I say it's gross in the way that my husband and I are disgusting. Okay, gotcha. Like we're gross. Like no one needs to watch the way we talk like it's adorable if you're like invested in the relationship sure it's yes. really gross to observe especially for someone like Frank who is like dry heaving behind them
0: and they are supposed to be in private something interesting yes. um you know uh, one of the writers we were uh, we were in contact with all the writers but one of the writers uh that we are the most contact when, with is Corby and when I asked her about her thoughts on this episode something she said that was very interesting as she goes she feels that if this was happening today it would have been a multi episode arc
1: yes Absolutely. Yeah,
0: and I found that very interesting. And I think she has a really good point that there's, they would take more time with it than they did, as opposed to his arc really happened over about four seasons and then finished mm-hmm. in the 10th season. So he puts his hand on her hand and goes, thanks, hun," which makes Frank completely <laughs> freak out. The, the body language, as well as the conversation, gives away that something is going on between them. And I think that that is very, very yeah. smart. And then they keep kind of holding hands in a way. Jerry suggests that they get gelato or go to a movie, but Murphy doesn't seem to want to do that. You know, uh, they could just rent a movie or, you know, why go across town when they can get dessert here? And, and then Jerry feels that perhaps... Murphy doesn't want to be seen in public with him because this is the only place that they go. Hmm. And then they have what people would call the talk. Yep. Which is he thinks that she has a problem with the concept of us. Huge air quotes. Frank is going to have a coronary. (laughs) She confesses that, you know, it has been a little, little secretive about the whole thing and and, and you, you see that when, when she's talking, like, J, like Jerry is so vulnerable, you know, as if, like, he thinks that any moment she's just going to, like, break up with him. Like, he's he's so invested in this relationship with her that he doesn't, you know, his heart is sort of out on his sleeve, I feel like. And, it, again, it's in the behavior. It's in the way that Jay plays the role. But Murphy comes to a conclusion that if people can't accept us, that's their problem. From now on, mm-hmm. it's going to be different. And he does this thing where he goes, thank you. You know, like, he's so touched by the fact that she's like is coming to terms with their relationship because also you know it can be kind of personal if you don't want to be seen in public with someone someone like jerry might take that offensively yeah and then he goes right back into the argument about nuclear proliferation and she goes oh what do i have to do to shut you up and she kisses him i feel like what's also really funny about this is that Jerry looks very satisfied with this kiss, as of course he would be. But it it yeah, it almost looks a little dirty.
1: Yeah, no, it it's it's a very private moment,
0: and it's all <laughs> red on Jay's face, which is great because then of course we focus on Frank, who uh, his mustache is falling off his face, <laughs> and I love that moment so much it's not
1: his strongest undercover work
0: <laughs> no no it's not and uh and we can only just say that they're so in love they didn't see frank
1: yeah absolutely
0: so syndication cuts right into jim's line but there's actually like a whole thing where <laughs> frank is telling them that he saw them eating together and no one believes him and he compares it to Like, uh, watching Lady and the Tramp if it was directed by Sam
1: Peckinpah. (laughs) She said it's specific. It's a very specific joke and very sad that it got cut.
0: Also, it says that Frank is distraught after a sleepless night.
1: Oh, buddy. Uh,
0: No one believes him, of course. Um, And then Murphy arrives in something we love, which is the great orange uh, FYI raincoat. Oh, we love that raincoat. We love that raincoat. Uh, Her hair is pulled back. She looks fabulous. And she... Wants to tell everyone some sort of news, but she's hemming and hawing over it, and finally they make her, you know, say it. And, and very, very, I guess I don't really know how she says it. She seems sort of half scared and half just like, all right, here it is. I'm dating Jerry Gold, and everyone has their own little moment. I would say that um, my favorite is is Miles, who goes, Why could you just be dying? <laughs> Which is like such a great example of like Grant's communicability. And he's just like holding this mug and he kind of looks into it. and He's just so, so disgusted. Um, I think Corky starts to cry. Yeah. Yeah. And Murphy just can't take this anymore. You know, she she's, she's, says now Murphy is pissed, which I appreciate mm-hmm. in, in the stage directions. Um, she also finds out that Frank was following her because he mocks her for sucking on the same strand of linguini. She lays down the law. She says that they need to give him a chance, that you owe me that much. This is why we're going to come over to my house on Saturday night, and I'm going to put out food, and Jerry will come, and you will get to know him. You hear me? Appetizers at 7. Dinner's at 7.30. The warmth and joy of true friendship at 8. And if you're late, I'll kill you. <laughs> I love that. The warmth, the warmth and joy of true friendship at 8, or I'll kill you. We cut to the, the townhouse. townhouse. Unfortunately, Eldon also got cut after they filmed his section here. But that's okay, because it's recreated in Jerry's
1: next episode, so you'll see (laughs) it then. So we find the townhouse with uh, Murphy answering the doorbell, and she's in a black dress with some great statement earrings. Love it. And a coral uh, half apron, uh, which, you know, is an unusual look for all of us, uh, and she will talk about later. Jerry's at the door with flowers. Mm, Yes. What we discover is that everyone's already there in the living room, she brings jerry into the room and everyone seems a little tense and she says everybody this is my jerry gold <laughs> <laughs> she can't call him a boyfriend murphy is doing the the strongest selling of a human she's like look look what he brought me pretty thoughtful he does this sort of thing all the time thanks sweetie and they kiss and everyone turns away in various stages of repulsion it's yeah it's yeah which again Based I get on it. And what these people have gone through with this man. Like what if I
0: get it. Like what if one day you found out that one of your great friends was dating Rush Limbaugh?
1: Like Why did I know you were gonna say <laughs> Rush Limbaugh? Like I knew you were gonna say Rush Limbaugh. Well, can't happen anymore. Um so <laughs> Murphy notices the discomfort and says, Let's sit. So everyone kind of makes their way to the chair and section of the couch that they would sit at, and everyone just awkwardly hovers and she goes, down sit down i love the way that candace says that it's so funny everyone sits and jerry tries to break the silence with so fontana frank nice oh, try i love it i uh, caught your report on the peace corps last week and frank says yeah what about it and he's trying he always you know, says it wasn't bad he liked it most of it and murphy's like you said it really made you think you did you he did I love the way everyone reacts to his attempts at compliment. So Frank just kind of turns away and mutters that he was really proud of it. And then Murphy tries another salvo and says, uh, Jerry also said he thought that our last shows were very well balanced. And he says, well, those maybe weren't my exact words. She's like, well, close enough. And I think it was really a compliment to you, Miles. Oh, she's so trying. Grant, again, in the same way that he did like his little into the coffee cup, just sits yeah. there and looks. He just sadly thanks Jerry. <laughs>
0: I also realize I should add that because obviously I'm not talking about what got cut because it's going to come back later. The opening of the scene says, "A slow pan across the room reveals Patience in to office." <laughs> very it's yes, very true. And Corky's wearing her coat because she's
1: Yeah, no, Corky hasn't Yeah, she's she's not staying. Yeah. No. And Jim is the one who gets to sandwich Jerry with uh, Murphy on the couch and he he's about to regret that. Uh, and he turns to Jerry and says, uh, you know what, Jerry actually saw one of your shows. I think it was uh, Governors Who Like to Be Spanked. Oh, so pay- He's so pained, Jim, when he says that. Like, you know, having to say the phrase governors who like to be spanked is the last thing that Jim Dial has ever wanted to say in his life. And then Jerry gets very excited about this and he does the like arm around Jim and lean in in the way that an aggressive talker does. And you can just see Jim backing up where there's no room to go. And he's trying to talk about it, but Murphy interrupts him again with something. And finally, Jerry, Jerry wants to know if he could just speak directly to, and he says, our friends. I know. This is such a great setup to the next episode too, because it shows that like he does
0: respect these people. He wants them to respect him.
1: And that's the thing. That is his motivation. He actually wants them to respect him. And the less they do, the more he's going to go at him. Yeah. And he says, you know, and he's trying to laugh through. And he's like, I'm starting to feel like Valenza. And says that she's finishing his sentences. Like he might say something to embarrass her in front of her friends. And he said, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm being a good boy. Which at that moment, I was like, oh, no. Here it comes. Oh, no. He said, if I wanted to be myself, I would ask old Sherwood, hey, If a tree fell in the forest and hit you on the head, would you feel it?
0: That one was mean.
1: It's so mean. But I love that Corky just turns around and sticks her tongue out and turns back. (laughs) Like, she knew. And Murphy stands up. And I have to say, even though I have seen this episode multiple times in my life, this is the moment where every time I see it, I keep thinking that this is an act on their part to convince everyone that they're breaking up and then they continue in secret. Oh yeah, well, it's because they don't wanna every, break up. You can exactly they don't want every to. Every time, every time I'm like, oh, they're gonna have this big fight, everyone's gonna leave, they're gonna be like, it worked. But that's not what's happening. So anyway, interesting. I always thought, and I thought that again, I was like, dang it, I'm wrong again. So Murphy stands up and starts, starts the fight and says, this is a repeat of when they were in that Chinese restaurant and they ran into Gary Hart and his family. Call back to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, what was I supposed to do when I see the guy sitting in front of a bowl of rice? Ignore it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so they just start. I could even write all of the banter because it's just it's the thing for me about this moment as they are just fighting it. They're both standing. They're just yelling at each other is that everyone starts scampering out. But the moment that's made me lose my mind laughing. I think I was know. Corky has to exit between them. to Yes. Get out, yes. They're still fighting. Being, <laughs> Being the perfect Southern girl that she is on the way out, she is muttering about how she'll have to get the recipe on the yeah. way out.
0: They like as no if they had shared bleeding. a meal. So... And that's what
1: you always yeah. do is you at you tell the, the hostess that you loved some, re- some dish that she made and you'll have to get the recipe from her. And Corky, even in this moment of distress has to get that out on her way out between the bickering couple.
0: I, I love that, that a, a lot of the things that he says are like the fact that, you know, at least I, not, at least every cabbie in the city doesn't have a picture of me with a circle and a line through it. Yeah. And then and she, and she's right. like, at least Michael Jackson didn't try to choke me on my own show. He's like, yeah,
1: you yeah, ever like, see the kind of ratings on that so, door slam? The then, hits that they that they make are yeah. so good. And they don't so, realize. Yeah, so there's a massive door slam. Yeah. And Murphy says, oh, well, that's just great. First dinner party over before the appetizer. He goes, and I did it all by myself, didn't I, Brown? And he kind of just sits down exhausted on the couch. And she sits down next to him, realizing that he made a point. Mm -hmm. And she says that this is exhausting, all of her relationships are. That's the thing, Jerry. I'm good at a lot of things, but this isn't one of them. She starts saying things she doesn't normally say. She starts doing things she doesn't normally do. I'm wearing an apron. See what I mean? I love She goes, oh, God. And he said it's the same thing for him, Mm -hmm. like with the baby's breath. How he's somehow at a flower shop and saying, yeah, that'll be a nice touch. (laughs) And they realize the problem is is that they're too much alike. And then Jerry stands up and says, we're opposites, Brown. He's lying. And he says that they both think the world is screwed up. But she has this annoying hope for the future. And this is what he says. See, Murphy, we're opposites.
0: I love it. He says, now me, I'm a pessimist. I don't put much stock in mankind in the future murphy were opposites i don't believe him
1: well and that's like he says murphy oh yeah anyway
0: it's just he no it's like he's trying to convince himself that that because he knows they're gonna break up and that yeah it's just i love on paper it doesn't look that way and i love the way he plays it is that he's lying Mm -hmm.
1: and she knows it too yeah and she says she guesses that this is where someone says it was fun while it lasted and then they both say that they hate that and they stare at each other and then in unison he calls her a jerk and she calls him scumface, Like the perfect grown up children that they are.
0: It says in the script that the moment is bittersweet which
1: it really is. It truly is. Like even the fact that they in unison say those childish insults to each other is so <laughs> romantic. <laughs> it's so messed up. Um, and so he says he realizes that it's his cue. He says see you around Brown. You can keep the flowers. And she says gee thanks. On his way out He pauses and says, one more thing. You're not planning to talk about our momentary loss of sanity, are you? She says she'll eat nails first. She says it so lovingly and with like a little Mm -hmm. breathy, like very softly. It's so sweet. She'll eat nails first. And he says, good. And then as he's starting to walk out, he turns again and he's pulling out a cigarette. He looks like he's about to start smoking it. And then instead, he throws the cigarette and the pack out in the trash bin. He also gives her a little
0: salute, doesn't he? Like with his hand. Mm
1: -hmm. And here's the thing.
0: And this could just be a choice from the actor because who wants to smoke that much? Unless you're a smoker. Um, Mm -hmm. Jerry doesn't smoke for the rest of his run on the show. And I like to think that that is telling into character. She she changes him. Oh, yeah. I've fully accepted
1: that. She... (laughs) She changes him
0: to the point of which he's able to commit to another woman where right now Mm -hmm. his through line through most of the first four seasons is that he can't commit and neither can Murphy and that is a problem between the Mm two of them. And I just, he's the only guest star that has a full arc, I would say. It's just really very sweet. And you're right. I can't believe that they made us like him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I know that I, Came at him really hard at the top of this. But like I to me, that's that's why I love this character so much, because there was absolutely everything was stacked against me rooting for this character, like all of my instincts, all of my beliefs, everything that I like have seen him do up to this point. And but because of the writing, because of Jay Thomas, I can't help but love Jerry Gold. It's really the
0: the longevity of the character in the show is all because of Jay. And again, like we said, it's the whole reason he was brought mm-hmm. back. Now, I feel like I need to talk about what I alluded to if people didn't listen to another episode that we did. But So if you look at most things, including the Emmy website, it says that Jay won. And all of his bios it said he had two Emmys. I always assumed he had an Emmy for this episode and for his second appearance. Um, and And then we recently found out Uh, confirmed by Diane and some other things, uh, including uh, Darren McGavin's obituary, is that Darren McGavin won and Jay collected it for him because Darren wasn't there. Now, Mm -hmm. Diane had said, oh, they must have just been confused because you saw a picture of him with the Emmy. And it's like, okay, yeah, but he continued with the ruse that everyone thought he had two Emmys. And part of me thinks it's hilarious. Part of me does not. (laughs) Um, But he got away (laughs) with it. And um, it wasn't true at all. Yep. At all. Um, But speaking of Jay, um, if uh, many of you don't realize, um, Jay um, did pass away a couple of years ago. Uh, One of the producers of Murphy Brown, the original series and the revival, Frank Pace. Uh, wrote a book called If These Lips Could Talk, and he worked with a lot of people, so it's about his time on Murphy, it's about his time working for Howard Stern, you know, all kinds of people, and if you love Murphy, you probably would like to read it, but what I wanted to bring up is that there is a section on Jay, because uh, what I didn't realize is that he was good friends with Jay even before he was ever on Murphy Brown, so he's known him, like, I think since, like, he was on the radio in, like, college, Something I wanted to share from this book, and you should definitely check it out, is that after Jay passed away, a memorial card was sent out with a message that Jay had written because he knew that he was dying. He had throat cancer. And I want to read this and not, not to be sad. You know, it's hard to talk about these episodes because we know that he's passed. But I feel like this is very uplifting about how he felt at the end, and I would like to share it. Uh, The memorial card said, you would have to stay up all day and night for the rest of your life to have as much fun as I had. So when I die, don't be sad. I've had a great time. I lived my entire life like I was on vacation. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was, I wanted to share that because that was really lovely to read. So just remember, he, uh, he had a great life and he enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Well, and on that beautiful note from beloved Jay, uh, we would encourage you to let us know what you thought about this episode. We know that this is a really special episode for us. And uh, obviously, we had a lot of fun talking about it. So we'd love to hear what you think. You can interact with us on any of the social medias. Uh, we are Murphy Brown- at Murphy Brown Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at murphybrownpod.com or murphybrownpod at gmail.com. Mm. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time for another edition of FYI The Murphy Brown Podcast. <laughs>